This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Okay, today I'm very excited to have Stu Morris on. Stu, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How are you, Greg? Doing great. I'm so happy you're here. You've got a really cool event. You actually work at America's Packard Museum, yes, sir. and you have a really cool event coming up. Uh, so I guess a couple things here. Why don't you tell us what is the event, what's going on, and tell us what do you do at the Packard Museum there? Okay, well, let me just kick it off by uh, introducing myself. My name is Stu Morris. Like you've already said, I am the operation and collections manager here, which is kind of a fancy way of saying I just do everything around here. Um, you know, I some days I'm fixing the restroom. Some days I'm working on, uh, you know, a six-figure Packard. Uh, some days I'm writing articles. Some days I'm doing a podcast. So, uh, you know, I, it's, I, I'm kind of a jack-of-all-trades master of some. Um, uh, what the event we're having coming up is the Packard Spring Fling. Um, that is our annual gala uh, event where we – it's a two-day event um, on Friday. Friday we have kind of the uh, the uh, more of a mixer type mingling event. Um, also the uh, the unveiling of our new uh, exhibit will be there. Um, it's going to be it's called uh, Pole Position Packards. It's basically Packards at racing, um, and so it's various racing uh, oriented Packards. For example, we are going to have um, the 1915 um, Indy Pace Car, the official Pace Car used for the Indianapolis 500 in 1915. Wow. Um, we're going to have uh, a 1912 Model 30 race car. We're going to have a couple of other things uh, that will we want people to come see we're gonna have six six packard race cars in our showroom um uh if you're not familiar with our museum our museum is a uh is a, a packard dealership that was built in 1917 um and we kind of recreated what it would look like in its heyday which was late 20s it was kind of nice just to be clear you're in dayton ohio dayton ohio yeah that's right downtown dayton ohio right off the highway we're super easy to get to um and so we're in their showroom we're going to put this new exhibit out we're also going to have a couple of modern race cars next door we have two buildings we have a post-war and a pre-war building in the post-war building we're going to have a couple of modern cars that's where our saturday night event is going to be our saturday night event is going to be um uh, more of a sit-down formal dinner we're going to have a keynote speaker of price Cobb. price Cobb won Le Mans in 1990 um he's he's from texas i believe um and i could be wrong about that so hopefully i'm not hopefully if i am wrong <laughs> we'll cut that uh um uh and uh he is going to talk about his experiences during that time so we'll have a couple of modern car race cars over there to kind of flank his speech we're also going to have um uh the kim kelly orchestra which is a big band um they're going to be doing swing we're going to have a uh, uh, a sinatra not an impersonator but um he uh he he's he doesn't impersonate Sinatra, but he uh, he mimics him extremely well. Um, uh, so we're gonna have the sounds of Sinatra over there as well. They're gonna be dancing. We're gonna have uh, you know we'll have silent auctions, lots of stuff to do. We're also doing um, sessions in the morning um, about uh, about car restoration uh, as well, and we're also doing um, a tour of a uh, private collector's uh, racing uh, car collection. Uh, which is mostly focused around indie cars. Uh, that's going to be in the afternoon. So Saturday's packed full of stuff. It's going to be a really awesome event. We're getting really excited. There's still a lot of work to do, obviously, but um, we're getting there. We're seeing the end, uh, the, the end goal. It's going to be April 28th and 29th. 
Um, again, the Friday evening is going to be much more of a informal yet formal event where we're just we're doing, you know, we're doing heavy hors d'oeuvres, cocktailing. There'll be a couple small <laughs> events there as well. Uh, and then we're going to be doing the big gala on Saturday night. Um, to find out about this, please go to our website, americaspackardmuseum.org. It should be under events. And you can buy tickets there. Or you can always call us at 937-226-1710. That's our, uh, that's our landline here. And uh, hopefully Christina will be there on the other end. And Christina is our business manager. And she will uh, she can take your order or at least guide you through the process of buying tickets if you're interested in going. Yeah, it's really awesome. I was able to attend last year, and I really enjoyed it. The Saturday night was amazing. The food was great. I love the band. I have a musical background cool. so i was really loving the big band thing going on there and they were fantastic so really cool setting really cool event uh, i can't make it this year unfortunately because i will be taking my wife to a quilt show because i'm trying to be <laughs> oh, a good that's husband right. so that's you right. know, i remember that every, yeah. well, that's, every weekend that's can't good. be cars that's, you know? uh, while we're disappointed i'm happy for you I'm personally happy for you that you're doing your due diligence as a husband. That's great. Right, right. <laughs> well, yeah, the point of this episode here is to talk about those six really cool Packards that you mentioned. I don't know if they're the six that are the race cars coming or others, well, but we did want to review six cool cars, right? Yeah, absolutely. These Actually, the cars that I've, I've got on the, my list here are cars we have in the museum all of the time. Um, uh, so if you're coming across this episode much later than the event, I kind of wanted to have, you know, kind of our staple cars. Sure. Um, we have a lot of great cars. We have like 45 cars at any given time. So we have a pretty big collection. Uh, it's 44 Packards and one DeLorean because we wanted to try to make it so kids have some sort of connection to Packard and, uh, and kind of the modern age, even though 1981 is not necessarily modern. Uh, but, you know, DeLorean, uh, DeLorean worked for uh, Packard. In the, it was his first job in the automotive industry was working for Packard in 1953, uh, designing transmissions. So, so I love the fact that there's a connection there that it makes sense, you know, to have a DeLorean there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah it yeah. makes sense. And if you're listening to the podcast version, you can check out the YouTube version where um, I will have a video walk around of these cars that Stu is about to review just so you can kind of see what they look like. And uh, obviously love to have you visit the uh, museum yes. anytime throughout the year. Yes, please do. Please do. Well, can we, should we get kicked off with yeah, uh, some of ahead. the cars? Fabulous. I'm going to kind of go with, a, uh, with a, uh, a walk around of the museum. So it's kind of like the first car I'll talk about is essentially the first car you walk into when you come into the museum. Uh, the first car we have is the uh, 1934 Super 8 Dual Cal Sport Phaeton. Wow. Uh, they loved making extremely long names back then, but basically it's a 1934 Super 8 is the best way to think about it as far as what the model was, but it was a lot more special than that. Uh, the car was uh, debuted um, in 19, the 1934 uh, New York Auto Show, um, and this uh, this is during a time where you can go to an auto show and you can actually buy the cars at the auto show. You can't do that anymore, obviously, um, but... So this car was it was painted. Uh, it's a dual cow phaeton. So a dual cow means it's got it has a windshield cow area, and you know there's the cow that's in front of the the windshield where the windshield uh, resides on, and in the back there's another section that looks extremely similar to that that you can flip up so the rear passengers can get into. So it's a very unique body style. Um, the car is painted in Orello which is a combination of orange and yellow, but it's much more like a butterscotch kind of color. So it's a very bright looking car on top of having really interesting body work. 
Um, the car remains largely original. Um, uh, it's a, the only thing that's not original is the fenders, but the body and the interior are all original, actually. Um, it has uh, it has the Super 8 engine, which is the one that's a step down from the 12. I personally prefer that. We'll talk about another one of these later on, but um, that's kind. Of, I prefer these cars because they're a lot simpler they're a little bit lighter which is kind of hard to think of a packard in lightness but um <laughs> I, I i like this and also it's a, the straight eight is what packard's really known for even though as we move along they'll go into why they're known for a v12 as well um the car was bought for by uh herbert and agnes greer of morganville nor morgantown yeah morgantown west west virginia um and it was actually bought for their 16 year old daughter Oh and when, yeah, and when they got it there, uh, um, she just didn't like the car. She just didn't care for it. And she thought it was she, you know, she thought it was too hard to drive. She thought it was too hard to Dude. park. Yeah, she didn't like the color, you know. And a lot of people, when I tell them this story, they're like, "Wow, what a spoiled brat!" But like, I've driven a lot of these pre-war Packards, and she's not exactly wrong. <laughs> you know they're not easy to drive i mean if you're you know if you're a 16 year old girl and you weigh like a you know buck oh five um i'm sure like looking over the steering wheels is probably not the easiest thing to do you know there's no power steering didn't come around until 1951 um you know and it, so it would be hard to park um and also the color of the car which is you know which is kind of a a slightly deeper yellow is polarizing at best you know so i mean people t i tell this story to people and they're just always like wow what a brat and i'm like ah you know you gotta put it kind of in everything's in context here at yes. the museum yes. so um i love that car it's one of this one of our staples um it's it's it kind of a, this and another car i'm going to talk about in a minute kind of epitomizes what a pre-war packard is um yeah 1934 is kind of the, one of the high water marks for a lot of people there's people that are in the the 1928 to 1930 kind of crowd there's the 1934 crowd and there's the 1937 crowd and i think in 1934 this is kind of the, in my opinion this is one of the the high like i said high watermarks of what a 1934 packard is um and in the video you'll definitely see what i mean by that good question uh, so phaeton is that four door window yeah. insert yeah, exactly. So the Phaeton has a is is, uh, is like a touring body, and touring body means it has it would have a top, but it'd have side curtains, no windows. Um, yeah, the convertible sedan would be the same setup, except for there would be removable posts and there'd be roll-up windows. Um, so, and the Phaeton is a slightly shorter body than um, than a touring. Um, so that's why they call it a sport Phaeton. That's not sporty, I guess. <laughs> there's not as much back. There's not as much uh, uh, leg room in the back seat, so I suppose it's a little sporty because of that. Right. Okay. All right. Um, one of the next cars that I think that is a lot of people's favorite cars here is the uh, 1928 Jesse Vincent Speedster. Jesse uh, Jesse Vincent was um, the guy who uh, pioneered the V12 um, in the United States. Um, he was the guy who essentially invented the idea of putting the v12 into a production car packard was the first company to do that 
Um, and uh, he he it was so prolific that even and my the curator here at the museum is so tired of me hearing the uh, saying this, but um, uh, it was in you know in 1919 when they were running um, the Indy 500, uh, Enzo Ferrari was around, uh, and he just became enamored with the v12 because of packard because of the way they sounded and he just you know he said he he the v12 i can't paraphrase this a bit and it was also translated from italian obviously he said <laughs> i became um married to the 12 cylinder engine to which i was never divorced because he just loved that engine so much because of packard uh jesse vincent wanted a really cool car to uh, show off the uh, the Utica, Michigan test track that Packard had just built. And fun fact about the, the test track in Utica, um, it was the fastest closed course until 1954 when the Oval was built at Monza. So it was, wow. a, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, it was a really technologically advanced track. Um, but he wanted a car kind of to show off, you know, the track and bring his friends. He knew Charles Lindbergh and uh, he had him drive that car and he knew Amelia Earhart and Amelia Earhart drove this car. Um, and but he to the car itself is the is the the lightest frame he could get with an aluminum torpedo body, a boat tail body on it. Um, the biggest engine you could get is, it's got a big cam in it. Um, it's got a straight six inch exhaust, well, a six inch opening, but it's a three inch exhaust to a six inch opening. Um, it's a really rowdy car. Um, I've taken it around a track before and it's kind of scary, <laughs> but it's a great car. I mean, it's, there's nothing quite like it at the museum. It's got no fenders. It's got no lights. Um, Jesse was, uh, spotted by the police a couple of times at night driving the car home which he probably shouldn't be doing because there's no lights on it um, and it's <laughs> extremely loud so i mean i'm sure he caused quite a commotion but it's a fantastic automobile um it's definitely one of the more striking cars we have and it's also one of the smallest <laughs> <laughs> smallest loudest Fastest, yeah, that's yeah, like a combination, yeah, right? Yeah, oh, it's and it's not exactly a race car, but it does fit with the racing theme. So we're going to try to integrate it a little bit with our, um, with our with our event. But um, it's more of a conversation about what Packard was at speed for sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, next, uh, let's try to move along here. The next car uh, I wanted to talk about was our 1932 um, Twin Six, bodied by Murphy. That's a coach-built car. This is the first coach-built car we've talked about. Um, this car was, uh, like I said, it was bodied by Murphy. It's a convertible sedan, so it is the type that has the roll-up windows and the um, and the the center post that you have to lock into place. I've actually did a stop motion not that long ago with it of doing the taking from it being a, 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 a you know convertible and converting it into a sedan. It literally converts from a convertible to a sedan, hence convertible sedan. Um, the car, it's aluminum bodied. Um, Murphy, wow. uh, yeah, Murphy um, did something like, four, I always get this number slightly wrong, did like 40% of Duesenberg bodies. They were based out of Pasadena, California. Um, it's a cream color with uh, a slight cream with uh, with black fenders. It's a twin six. That twin six was the uh, was a um, uh, rebranding of the original twin six that ran from 19... Um, 16 until 1923. That was the one that Jesse Vincent put into production as the first V12 into 
uh, into a production car in the United States. Um, and so they brought the name back in 1934. Um, it's a significantly different engine. The reason why it's called a twin six is just basically the idea was if a six cylinder engine is is inherently balanced, then the uh, you know imperfect. So there therefore a V12 must be even more perfect. So they called right. it a twin six. Um, it's and this is also during the time where the crankshafts, you know, the crank the crankcase was separate from the the uh, the cylinders and that you know that all of that stuff was all different. So they kind of called it a twin six and said two banks of six cylinders on it. This is a completely different engine. It's a monoblock, um, massive lump, uh, and they ran this engine until 1937. No, I'm sorry, 1939. I apologize. Um, and it was kind of known as like kind of the that was like the most expensive factory you could get would be the twin six or and they dropped that name in 1933 and they just called it the 12. Uh, this car was owned by uh, Gar Wood. Gar Wood was the guy who broke the 100 mile per hour barrier on the water. And he did that using oh, wow. a racing boat with Packard engines, Packard big Packard V12 engines, which would eventually become um, the uh, the engine that was uh, they based the PT boat engine on in uh, World War II. A lot of that architecture transferred over. Um, these were naturally aspirated. Eventually, the PT boat engine would be supercharged, which most all big engines were during that time. Um, uh, he had a really interesting saying that. You know, if you're gonna talking about Duesenberg, if you want to be somebody, you buy a Duesenberg. If you already are somebody, you buy a Packard. Um, and, <laughs> I knew we had to get that in here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. Love that quote. Um, and as far as I know, and I could be extremely wrong about this, but I love this story anyway. Uh, somebody high up at Packard, when Jesse, or not Jesse, I'm sorry, when Garwood was looking to buy a car. Um, he was looking at stuff that wasn't a Packard and they said, you can't do that. You've got to drive a Packard. So they gave him this car and uh, it's a really excellent piece. It's one of the biggest cars we have. Um, you know, it's almost 6,000 pounds. It's a massive, massive car. Incredibly cool. 147 inch wheelbase. I mean, it's just out of this world. The, this car and the, 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 we call it the Orello, the 1934, uh, um, uh, dual cal phaeton we talked about at the beginning those are kind of the in my opinion the two really standouts as far as the uh the the pre pre-war cars uh, we have a lot of excellent pre-war cars as well but in my mind it's all opinion obviously but these are the two that like really stand out to me for whatever reason we have a lot of excellent other we have a 1930 boat speedster we have a 1930 uh convertible sedan by brewster we have a 1928 hibbert and darren that was built in france we have a lot of really excellent uh pre-war cars but these two for whatever reason they're just the ones that always stand out to me um and so i, I always really try to focus on them just because they have just a you know there's an emotion Cars are about emotional connection, and these two are really, really uh, um, one of my two of my favorites. I'm going to really briefly talk about uh, the next car here, which is one of the earlier cars we have. It's actually not a car; it's a truck. It's a 1918 uh, World War One Army truck uh, oh, cool. that still it still most every single car in this place runs, and this is no exception. Um, the the Army truck uh, it represents uh, Packard's. Um, war effort in world war one um it uses solid rubber tires um its top speed is 17 miles per hour i clocked it with a mercedes one time <laughs> um and it still runs uh you know we have we we do the the um the the concord elegance down at the uh dayton history which is i want to say it's probably two miles down the road 
sure. something like that. I drove it from our museum to there, and it took me about 20 minutes. So, I mean, it's uh, it's slow going with that thing. A lot of people want to slow down right next to you and take pictures with it. Uh, but, you know, it, it represents Packard's many war efforts over the years, but one of its first because they they supplied something like 10,000 trucks to the World War One. uh the Great War at that time was what they were calling it, um, war effort. Um, and we have an excellent example of a restored one here that still runs. I just, it's one of those one of the few cars in the museum I can get in and just start and just drive. And it's actually pretty maneuverable. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> it's really epic. It's a really epic piece. We take it to events where you know we let kids crawl all over it and um, take pictures. They love it. We take it. We took it to the uh, uh, touch a truck event last last year we're just going to go again and they just they loved it it's got a horn you can rotate and make noise on and stuff like that it was a lot of a lot of fun but it's one of our it's one of our biggest and most unique pieces we have um yeah so there's two more cars i want to talk about these are the these are in our post-war collection um the first one i want to talk about is our 1953 caribbean we packard made the caribbean from 1953 until 1956 uh and the only time they made a hard top was in 1956 we actually have every example we have every year and body style of uh of caribbean there or caribbean caribbean or caribbean i, go, I always go in between the two what did packard say the caribbean it's caribbean caribbean, okay. caribbean. um uh, 19, this is an interesting car because it was kind of a coach-built car. Uh, um, the Bentley Mitchell Corporation um, built them because pa the Packer knew they needed something to compete with, with um, you know the Cadillac Eldorado, um, the Oldsmobile Fiesta. I love that it was a Fiesta. I drive a Ford Fiesta as my beater car, um, and uh, um, and the Buick Skylark. Um, and they needed something to compete with that, uh, because that's what, where people were going. They were going the, 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 you know, their, their halo cars were these really expensive, um, convertibles that were kind of custom cars. So the, uh, the, the, the Mitchell Bentley, uh, corporation, um, they kind of hand formed some of the pieces of these cars. They made the, uh, the rears a little longer. Uh, they gave it a continental spare with a continental spare tray and extended the bumpers out to, uh, to accommodate that. Um, they also gave it a hood scoop that was leaded in. It uses lead. It's, it's, it's crazy how heavy these hoods are. Um, it uses the most, uh, the biggest straight eight. They could, they were still rocking a straight eight during that time. A lot of people say that was one of Packard's faults is, you know, even in the mid fifties, they were, they hadn't transitioned to V8 yet, but I like the straight eight. It's it's a very, it's, there's something there's something about it. It gives the car it gives the car's character. Um, you know, it uses the the automatic that uh, the the ultramatic that that John DeLorean uh, eventually um, uh, improve upon. Um, you know, power everything. Uh, in this car is in the it's it, it's it's finished in a flame red, so it's this bright red that almost has like a touch of orange to it. It's a really striking car. Uh, you know, wire wheels with white walls, like you really can't get much more 50s than one of the one of the Caribbeans. But this one, because it was the first one, and also I just have a lot of sweat equity in this car. I did all the, the car runs off of hydraulics because it's still a six volt system. So all the windows are hydraulic. Obviously the top is hydraulic, wow. but I redid all the hydraulics in this car. Uh, one of my favorite things about working on the cars here was well, this is one of my b first big jobs. Is uh, one of the uh, one of the the kick panels in the back uh, in the back seat 
It has, you know, the guy who the guy's name who worked on it in 1985, the guy's name who worked on it in 1976. And then I got to put my name on it, which I just oh, thought, that's cool. like, yeah. super, like, I mean, like you can't you, like as a, as a gearhead, you like you, that's kind of the coolest thing, you know. Um, the last car I wanted to talk about was uh, our uh, Pininfarina Parisian Coupe. Uh, this is a 1952. Uh, they never made this car. Um, the gentleman who uh, who acquired the Jesse Vincent Speedster also had a penchant for building Packards that never were. Um, his name was Carl Schneider. It's been a it's Carl Schneider. Um, he has been a big supporter of the museum for a very long time. Um, he found the plans for this car and the uh i think it's the um auto i can't remember what it was but it was some auction in paris um in the mid 90s um because the what had happened was that pin and Farina came over to uh the united states and gave um his designs to a bunch you know design cars for a bunch of manufacturers and one of them was packard packard realized this car was going to be incredibly expensive to produce um you know they were thinking it was going to be something like 15 grand to, to sell one um oh, wow. you know and yeah. the, the 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 caribbean has hadn't even come out yet and the caribbean sold for just under five grand so you're talking about like an extremely you know probably something like you know what um a really high-end uh, European car, like a, I don't even know if Bugatti was around at this point still, but you know something like what a Ferrari would have cost during that time. I mean, it was incredibly expensive, so they never made it. But the car is completely custom. It's got custom fenders on it. It's got a custom hood. Um, the I think the only thing that's standard about the car is um, is the tours. A lot of people liken it to liken it to a, a, an American DB5 because it kind of has those vibes a little bit. Sure. It's silver. It's silver. I think has a lot to do with it, but it has that <laughs> fastback design. It's got kind of those, uh, kind of the 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 fins that a DB5 has in the back as well. Um, and it has uh, it's it's silver, uh, finished in silver with a green leather interior. Oh, um, and it's just yeah. a it's just a fantastic car. It turns so many heads when you drive it. Um, I mean, it's one of the most elegant cars. A lot of people ask, like, why do they make this car? And it's just like, I mean, I'm like, if you look at it, there's this car shares zero sheet metal besides the doors with anything yeah. else that Packard had. I mean, it was just such a radical design. Um, and it's definitely one of the standouts in our post-war collection, for sure, for sure. So I hope that, yeah, that's all, that's all six of the cars I have. I'm hoping, did you have any questions about any of the cars? That no, I you know, it's really cool that you covered six cars, kind of, you know, like you said, you start at the front of the building, you kind of yeah. walk through, you're giving us a little tour of those six cars that are there on permanent display. Mm -hmm. And now, you know what, folks have a wonderful reason to visit you to see, you know, the race cars that you have on a temporary exhibit. Yeah. You know, so it's great. I love the cars that you picked for this. And, you know, I have to talk about where you are. Are you in the library right now? Or are you no, in I'm in my office. office. I'm in my okay. office. Okay. A lot of cool stuff behind you. Yeah. And I know your library is really outstanding. Yeah. Give our folks a little overview of kind of what's in that thing. That library is just amazing. So uh, a while back, we um, got donated the entirety of the uh, automotive, automobile quarterly research library. And it's something like, uh, I want to say it's something like 20,000 books or to that effect, you know, on every different mark, you know, from yeah, 
from Stoddard Dayton Dayton all the way up and up till you know the modern GTOs. Uh, you know, it's got we have a lot of really interesting books that people can can uh, can borrow. We're we're we now are uh, you know we're now essentially a public library. Um, and you know, uh, we're slowly growing what that looks like because we have just so much stuff. It was so much stuff. Um, and we have volunteers that work on it every single week. They're just always, they're filing books away and putting them in the system. And, um, it's just a really excellent library. Um, it was started from the, uh, Robert and Sonia Turnquist, uh, foundation. Um, and we named the library after them. Um, and it's really a great place to come if you, if for anything, if for any kind of mark to come um, look at what we have to offer. We also have an extremely comprehensive set of Packard materials as well. Uh, you know, most of it is uh, uh, is service manuals, uh, some even dating back to 1914. Um, you know, so it's, you know, I, I use that stuff all the time. So it's a really excellent resource. Um, do, it is. do you know what? what the oldest piece of literature you have in the oh, library? That's, I, it's got to be well beyond 1905, I would assume. Wow, I'm not yeah. sure. I mean, we have lots of really older, old, I mean, even beyond that. I mean, just so much stuff there. It's so much to pour over that it's, it requires the attention of a lot of people. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah. it's a really excellent library. Uh, we have, um, we have a, a really excellent development director, um, Mark Fargus, who has a background in, in libraries and has helped us immensely with, you know, his, his job is to help us raise money. So we are a nonprofit, um, but he has an extensive uh, background in libraries who has really helped us kind of modernize what our library looks like and does, it's done a great job in the short time he's been here. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the Collective Car Podcast. Sorry, yeah. I won't be there in person, but I'll that's be okay. there in spirit. Absolutely. Well, we'll miss you. Uh, we'll leave plenty of pictures. We got to come next time. That's the only thing I ask. I know. I'll, I'll put it <laughs> a year in advance. I'll be there. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Thanks, Stu. Absolutely. It's great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.